0: Working is something that takes up a large part of our lives. It's so easy to grow complacent with our surroundings. Unfortunately, though, people at work are not exempt from danger. Even those who work the most mundane jobs run the risk of facing suspicious situations. This week on Mysteriously Listed, Unsolved Workplace Mysteries. number 7 Demonica Finese Demonica Finese wanted better for her 3 children By 2007 she had spent 5 years in the US army and was now working as a security guard at the Fillmore Center an alternative school in Mississippi She was studying criminal justice She was juggling all of this as well as being a single parent Something that I can definitely relate to and commend her for. Her estranged husband, Robert Delaware, and DeMonica were separated. It was not the healthiest of relationships, and there was at least two domestic violence incidents in their relationship. By 2007, she was dating someone else, and it seemed like she had moved on from her marriage to Delaware. Her boyfriend at the time is not considered a suspect in her disappearance. On October 12, 2007, Dominica would drop off her three children at her sister's home, who would tend to the children on a workday. She would arrive at the Fillmore Centre with a co-worker around noon, carpooling as normal. What happens after this is not clear. When Dominica did not pick up her children from her sister's home as planned, she contacted the police to report her sister missing. When contacted by the police, Delaware advised that he had not seen his wife and that he believed that she had run away with a man. This may have affected the level of intensity in the investigation. Regardless, police did search their house that they both still shared. Delaware advised investigators he had already changed the sheets as the children wet the bed. These sheets have never been forensically investigated. That evening, Dominica's red 2005 Pontiac Grand M Coupe would be found abandoned in the apartment of the 2600 block of West Jackson Street. Witnesses would later report the car speeding into the parking lot of the apartment complex, and an African-American man wearing a white t-shirt and blue jeans jumped out of the car. This man would run behind the apartment complex, never to be seen again. Investigators did search the field and the small storage unit behind the apartment complex, but no trace of Domenica could be found. The day after Domenica went missing, Delaware relocated with the children out of the area. He would later remarry. In February 2020, he would be charged with the attempted murder of his new estranged wife. At the time of her disappearance, Domenica Finizzi was 26 years old. She was 5 foot 2 and around 140 pounds, but her weight did fluctuate between 120 and 160 pounds. She is African American with black hair and brown eyes. Domenica was last seen wearing a tan shirt with red around the sleeves and neck, blue Capri denim pants and red flip-flops. If Domenica is still alive today, she would be 39 years old. Number 6. Stephen Edgerton 41-year-old Stephen Edgerton had everything going for him in life. He was happily married with three children and a well-known and well-liked DJ, better known as DJ Juan Getty. He worked at the local radio station, WGOV, working the coveted 6pm to midnight shift. On January 20th, 2012, Stephen stepped outside the station just before midnight to have a cigarette. Stephen would be shot twice in the torso and once in the head. Stephen was incredibly strong, though. He would manage to call 911 for help, and he gave a description of his attacker. He was a white man, wearing a white skull cap or ski mask. Lowndes County Sheriff deputies, state troopers and paramedics rushed to the scene. Unfortunately, Stephen would pass away an hour later from his injuries. Fields surrounding the radio station were immediately searched. Very little forensic evidence was available. K-9 units tracked the scent to a power line where investigators found evidence of a parked car which had pulled out heading east on Highway 84, less than a mile from the radio station. Investigators also found a small bag of chips, a soda can and a small amount of drugs at the scene. It is unclear if they are related to Stephen's murder. There is no motive either. He had no known enemies. Robbery was also ruled out, as nothing was taken from Stephen or the radio station. In late January 2020, the local sheriff indicated that they had a prime suspect, but this person was killed in a shootout a couple of years after the murder. Because of this, Stephen's murder may never be solved. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Number five, Robin Ellis. Unfortunately, there is very little available on this missing persons case, but it is just as important as the others we will tell in this episode. Even more so, maybe, considering her story is not widely known, and as we know in missing persons cases, the more the story is heard, the more likely it is to be solved. On December 7th, 2003, 37-year-old Robin Ellis was at her job at Woodland Village Pizza in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, At around 5pm, Robin left to deliver four separate pizza orders. However, she only delivered one and never returned to the pizza parlour and was never seen again. Two days later, Robin's car, a 1995 brown four-dawn Hyundai Elantra, was found abandoned northbound on Highway 95. There was no sign of a struggle and no sign of foul play found at the scene. There are a few theories in this case. Robbery is not thought to be related, as the total of the pizza orders was only around $50. This is even though Robin seemed to be a target for robberies leading up to her disappearance. Her home was burglarised twice in the months before she went missing. Whether this is connected to her disappearance has never been confirmed by authorities. It is also not thought that she left on her own accord. She had a teenage son who she was the only guardian for. And she was also a frequent caller to the local Philadelphia radio station, one she has not called since her December 7th disappearance. The most obvious theory is that she was harmed by a customer. However, I would like to think her customers for the evening were interviewed by the authorities and were cleared of suspicion. The most likely theory, in my opinion, though, would be if the rumour that Robin was working illegally as an unlicensed cab driver was true. This may have put her in harm's way, and it's not traceable as no records would have been kept of her rides. Authorities believe that Robin has met with foul play and is no longer alive. At the time of her disappearance, Robin Ellis was 37 years old. She was African-American, 5 foot 3 and 115 pounds, with shoulder-length black hair and brown eyes. If Robin was still alive today, she would be 57 years old. Number 4. Tamietta Spaulding. September 2nd, 2016 – 37-year-old Tamietta Spaulding took her two children to school and kissed them goodbye. They were to go with their father for a scheduled custody visit that afternoon. Before heading to work as normal, she would first visit a payday lending business. The next morning, September 3rd, Tamietta called her father. She was excited to discuss her promotion at her job at Comcast and about the new home she was about to move into with her children. She told her father she would call him back later that afternoon. She never would, and he would never speak to her again. Surveillance cameras revealed Tamietta arriving at her work at Comcast in Jackson, Mississippi. But for reasons unknown, she abruptly left the building alone a short time later. On September 5, 2016, Tamieta's blue Chevrolet Equinox would be found abandoned behind a gas station close to Savannah Street and in Interstate 55 in South Jackson. The keys were missing and there was no trace of Tamieta at the scene. Investigators would process the car and it was noted on the official police report the vehicle was completely wiped down. There was no fingerprints, not even Tamietta's were found. September 8th, 2016, Tamietta's cell phone was used. Investigators have not been able to trace the phone, and it was never used again. Months later, a local hairdresser, Emma, told one of Tamietta's aunts that she had met a woman who had information. When her aunt contacted this woman, the woman said, quote, You're not going to find her. They used acid to get rid of the body. Unquote. The unnamed caller accused Tamietta's ex boyfriend of being involved, and she claimed that a red truck was used to dump the body. According to Tamietta's father, Tamietta was dating a man named Marcus, who had gotten her pregnant. But she had broken off the relationship after she discovered that Marcus had got another woman pregnant. Unfortunately, Tamietta’s pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. Authorities have never been able to confirm if the caller’s theory is true, and it’s not clear whether Marcus was ever questioned. Tamieta’s parents now have custody of her children, while they wait for their mother to come home. At the time of her disappearance, Tamietta Spaulding was 37 years old. She is 5 foot 8 and around 340 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes. Although her hair was cut short and dyed blonde at the time she went missing, she was last seen wearing either a brown sweater dress and black glasses, or a black t-shirt, grey sweatpants and a black baseball cap. Tamietta is diabetic with a history of heart disease. She had a heart attack at 32 years old. She needs to take insulin every day, but she did not have it with her when she went missing. If Tamietta is still alive today, she would be 41 years old. Number three, Crystal Morrison. 31-year-old Crystal Morrison had everything going for her on the surface. She had a loving boyfriend. She was a doting mother to her eight-year-old son. She had a great job that she excelled at. She was well-liked being described by friends as introverted but friendly. Underneath, though, things were less than perfect. Crystal's mother had died when she was nine – She would run away numerous times during high school and struggled with drugs. However, she had been clean a year at the time she went missing. And Crystal and her boyfriend Matt had a very on-again and off-again relationship, having just gotten back together in late August 2012. August 23rd 2012, Crystal did not have her car so Matt offered to drive her even though they had a fight that morning. She gave him her cell phone and debit card and said her goodbyes before walking into a job at Connections Recruiting in Concord, North Carolina at 11.30am. Only an hour later, Crystal would tell her co-worker she wasn't feeling well and had to leave. Crystal first tried contacting Matt to get her, but he did not answer the call. She then contacted a friend, Clayton, who she was living with at the time, and he agreed to come and get her, bringing her son with him. But by the time Clayton had arrived 20 minutes later, a security guard told him that Crystal had already left. Surveillance footage would have Crystal at a convenience store 10 minutes away from her workplace buying a soda. Other sightings would report seeing Crystal walking towards a local McDonald's at around 1pm. Though neither sighting makes sense, since Crystal knew Clayton was coming to pick her up, yet she never mentioned to him that she was leaving the office area. It is possible she thought she'd be back before he got there, but we will never know. But we will never know as this story has a sad ending. December 2019 A survey crew working in a wooded area near the intersection of Highway 73 and Winecoff School Road reported to police what they thought were human remains. These would later be confirmed to belong to Crystal. And while no official cause of death has been released by authorities, a private investigator hired by the family claimed in his report that Crystal died of natural causes. We may never know what really happened, but Crystal's son will grow up without his mother. Number 2. Sebastian Husted 18-year-old Sebastian Husted was excited about his new job. So much so, like a lot of us, he posted to Facebook, quote, "'Feels good to be working again.' But then three days later, on January 22nd, 2018, he disappeared, never to be seen again. Sebastian, or Ty, as he was known by, well, by absolutely everyone, actually. Ty had started a new job, power washing units at a hog farm in nearby Lineville, Iowa. He'd also just moved into his own apartment his first apartment away from his family. Perfect as he had a baby on the way with his girlfriend, a boy, due in the May. Ty did not have a washer or dryer or a car, so on Sunday, January 21st, 2018, his sister Leisha picked him up to go grocery shopping before dropping him back home, taking his laundry with her to return the following day. The next day, Monday, January 22nd, 2018, Ty got a ride from his co-worker Jason. The company had organised this carpooling situation two weeks earlier, when Ty started his job. The pairing due to Ty and Jason living in the same apartment building. However, the two did not know each other prior to this. We know that Ty arrived at work on this day, as his boss would later confirm seeing Ty that morning. But not long after arriving at work, Ty began texting his brother Malcolm. He begged him to come and pick him up, that Jason was acting strange and aggressive towards him. Malcolm called Ty to get directions, but there was no answer. This would be the last time anyone heard from Ty. Malcolm would contact Leisha, who knew where the hog farm was, and went to fetch her little brother, only to find that Ty was not there. She found the clothes she washed for Ty in the back of the van Jason was driving, and Ty would be reported missing two days later. In the weeks that followed, Jason would go to a party and allegedly brag to these friends how easy it is to kill someone and get away with it how the hogs would take care of all the evidence. Police would search the hog farm and drain the ponds on the property, but nothing would be found. Jason would be questioned but refused to answer any questions, only saying he left Ty at the farm that day. Ty's family have also reached out to Jason, but he refuses to speak to them. Jason never would go back to that hog farm after Ty's disappearance and would move to Minnesota a short time later. Ty's family do not believe that he would have voluntarily left, as he was excited to become a father. Ty's girlfriend would give birth to a little boy three months after Ty disappeared, and she would name him Kendrick, a little boy who is now two years old and has never met his father. Ty left with no money and only his work uniform he was wearing that day. At the time of his disappearance, Sebastian Husted, or Ty, was 18 years old. He was 5 foot 11 and around 200 pounds, with dark brown hair and brown eyes. There is currently a $1,000 reward for information leading to Ty's whereabouts. If Ty is still alive today, he would be 20 years old. Number 1. Jenna Nilsson Jennifer Nilsson, or Jenna as she was known by her family and friends, was only weeks away from giving birth to her third child, a boy her husband and her had already named Ethan. She was still working mainly because she treasured the moments to herself and planned to continue to work at her job delivering newspapers right to her birth. She was saving some extra money to transition into being a full-time stay-at-home mum. On June fourteenth, two 2007 at 3.30am, 22-year-old Jenna quietly left the Rayleigh, North Carolina home that she shared with her husband and two children, three-year-old and almost one-year-old boys, and she headed out to her job. She was travelling her normal delivery route, and this included delivering USA Today newspapers to the Ameri-King Food Mart. Only seconds after Jenna placed the newspapers at the front door of the store and walked back towards her car, she was approached by a man in his early 20s. This man has been described as short and slightly built, with black hair pulled back into a ponytail. He was seen wearing a dark-coloured sleeveless shirt and baggy denim shorts. This man would have come up behind her and held a knife to her throat. He attempted to manually strangle her severely enough to cause a rupture of the blood vessels in her face and eyes. But Jenna fought back. She resisted. There were a lot of scratches to her arms. She resisted the knife, causing a cut to the artery in her neck, causing her to bleed to death. There may have been an attempt to rape Jenna at some point, unusual for someone this advanced with a pregnancy, but her pants and underwear were pulled down to her knees and she was missing her shirt. Unfortunately, by the time Jenna's body was found at 5am, it was too late to save baby Ethan, a healthy six-pound baby who would have survived otherwise. The knife used in the crime would be found several days later by a homeless man about a quarter of a mile from the crime scene. It was bloody, and the man who found the knife got scared and threw it over a fence. He would call the police days later to report his find. DNA was found, but unfortunately in the years that would follow, police have been unable to find a match. The lead detective was quoted as saying, Every single lead starts to become a dead end, and that's why this case has gone on for as long as it has. We just have to keep on digging, unquote. Only one potential suspect has ever been named. Jess Green, or the baby-faced rapist, does look similar to the description of the killer's composite. Green was in North Carolina at the time of Jenna's death, and two weeks later, he would be charged with the rape of two women. It is not clear if he has ever been questioned in this case. A positive has come out of this case, and that's Ethan's law. In December 2011, it was made legislation in the state of North Carolina that when a mother is murdered causing the death of an unborn child, then a separate guilty charge would stand. And while this does not apply to Jenna and Ethan's murder, it will serve justice in the future. A reward of $15,000 is available for the prosecution of Jenna Nelson's murderer. Do you have something you would like to see mysteriously listed? Do you have a particular theme that interests you? Message us on Facebook at Mysteriously Listed and on Twitter at Mysterious List. If you like what you've heard today, we would love for you to share this episode on your social media of choice. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you could leave a positive review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Research, additional writing and hosting is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu.